Haley, guess what? What? It is Washington Wine Month. <laughs> so I'm really excited to celebrate this final PNW state because we talked about Oregon and Idaho already. So now we're going to round it out with Washington. Um, and I will say as one of my pseudo-Washingtonians, sometimes I pretend, um, you know, I have some connections. I'm a PNWer. Um, I'm excited to finally uh, dive into this state's rich history um, and the importance of it in the overall wine scene. So with that, this is Whole Cluster Conversation, if you didn't realize already, and we're going to chat about that. So, Yeah, there was so much to dive into with this topic. There always is. Um, and sometimes... If you're uh, a listener that's been with us for a while, you know what we say. We're not talking about the full breadth of this topic. We're going to try to touch on the full breadth of Washington wine and um, their uh, August, Wagast, wine August. I don't know how they say it. (laughs) Um, But uh, there's a lot to talk about. So I think we're going to jump around a little bit. And I was really excited to hear what you learned that maybe surprised you the most or um, what you thought was interesting. Let's just kick it right off. Tell me what you learned. I'm Haley. This is Ashley. We are Whole Cluster Conversation. Yeah, so, you know, typical to some of our other topics, we both kind of did our own research. And one of the things that I just got really involved or like dove really into was um, looking at the Washington, oh, shnikes, it's the... Why do I always forget these things? Um, the Washington State Wine Commission. Um, I wanted to make sure I got that correct. Uh, website, which is fabulous, a great resource, and it was a little wine, ad- a little adjacent. But I will just say, since the the topic or the the thing that got me really excited is how they're really focusing on telling the story of Washington wineries through like different people. And so it's kind of this year-long campaign, but I really liked how they're bringing that in to really say like, hey, this is Washington wine from the perspective of all sorts of people in the industry there. And I really like that. So yeah, it's that's, I I agree. I, I thought like just jumping on their website and seeing the pictures, I was like, wow, these guys are really interested in making sure everyone is represented and represented as who they are. Um, it's not like, hey, stand over there, do this, do that. It's like, let's, what would you be doing normally? <laughs> let's take a picture of that. They're just very varied and different, and it's really cool to see. Yeah, they definitely spent some money on like getting some good people in there. And um, I like how to with their overall like campaign with the Washington wine months um, that they, it's not just like 
hey, we're focusing on this one time and then going, you can see, like, I started getting a little confused in my research because you can see how they carry, like, hey, last year we did this, we're building mm-hmm. on. And they, like, it's just a story. They're really good storytellers. And so that was, like, what I was really impressed by on their That's whole cool. website and their, like, yeah, promotion of the wine month. So, yeah. So to be clear, there are two Washington Wine Months. Yes. There's yeah. August that we're celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> That's capital W, capital A, U G U S T, lowercase U G U S T. So wa- like wa- like the shortened like Washington State W A postage. Yeah. Uh August. <laughs> Long explanatory comment there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. We have some people that listen from maybe far away. <laughs> yeah, Wagus. That's what I've been saying. I really liked it. I like their whole like celebrate Wagus thing yeah. going on. Um, and then the other one's March and and they, um, do you want to, do you want me to talk about kind of the difference between the two Definitely. or do you yeah. want to take no, that? You go for it. Yeah. So like I said, there's, or like we said, there's two actually, and Washington's really proud of their two wine months <laughs> and how they distinguish the two is in March, they have up in Seattle, they have like all the wineries and then as well as like restaurant people, they bring it into the taste of Washington or yeah, taste of Washington. Um, and so that one they did like what this year, there was like a, Sip local, again, kind of with what we were talking about, that story of like what's going on in Washington. Mm -hmm. So they kind of set that stage of like, okay, this is the taste of Washington. We're getting all the food as well as wine um, up in Seattle for this one big event. And so really promoting like that, like drinking, eating, celebrating local things from all over the state. And then with August um, this year that they're calling, um, they are focusing on saying, okay, now go out to all the different wine regions. Um, I saw that there's eight different wine regions throughout the state of Washington. Um, And then you know, celebrate by going out and like checking out the places. So kind of one is going to Seattle. The other one is like going out and seeing um, the story play out um, at different places. So I really like that way that they did that. Um, Was it on their website? I think I saw somewhere when I was researching, they had like a, a... Oh gosh, like a, here's like the route that you can take. I think it might've been on their website, like a road trip route. Um, Oh yeah. So, so they have, and they actually launched it last year. They have this app. Um, I think, you know, we had it later in our notes, but this is cool. It's called um, Map My Wa Wine. <laughs> uh, I was like, could you have just like put it wine? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, but uh, they have an app that you can download onto your phone. And then with that, you can like look for events that are happening. It's not just during August, but I right. think they, you know, s- 
feature additional ones during that. But then you can also say, hey, I want to go to this region or I want to check out these wineries. And it helps you like create a road trip to see different ones. I downloaded it and just kind of played around with it really quickly. But I'm excited to explore it more. But yeah, they launched that last year. So they're promoting it again this year as part of that like how to get out and explore the different um, wine regions in the state. Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, you talked about, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about Sip Local? Because I know you mentioned it in March, but is there more that you wanted to say? Um, Well, because I knew we were doing Wagas, I just kind of like looked at it really quickly. And I don't think there was much more. It was, you know, in March. um, And like I said, it was just really to kind of focus on the the local aspect in Seattle. One of the things that was a little bit adjacent with that, but also again, because they have these months that they feature, but they're really telling the story throughout the year. Um, Like I said, they're they're not just focusing on, you know, the wineries or the vineyards. They're also like one of the things I saw is they have a whole thing about help me, Psalms, sommeliers. Yes. yes. I think um, I finally put together too. It's called Psalm Light. And I think it's supposed to be like spotlight, but Psalm. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And yeah. So that was kind of one of those things that I saw, you know, they were kind of featuring mm-hmm. again to bring around. But like as part of that local is like, hey, you know, that's a part of it is like yes. we're going to tell those stories. We're going to tell the stories of people that are marketing. We're going to mm-hmm. tell people the stories of the vineyard managers. We're going to tell the stories of um, just like all sorts of people in right. the industry. Um, and so that was kind of in there with that sip local. And then, like I said, they're just carrying it over now of like, okay, we started it here and yes. they're tasting it. And now you're going out to the like places. So right. I think that um, they, um, I really appreciated on their website that they had like a, uh, you know, you can read about us, you can listen, you can watch. Like there were different ways to get the information, which I think is in this day and age really, really nice. <laughs> I mean, we're podcasters, so we appreciate listening to things. And some people really like visuals, so watching YouTube channels and things like that. I think they did a the good job. The other thing I really liked, and I was like, I think this is a model example, was with the storytelling aspect of different people's story. It was bilingual, but it wasn't yeah. like, so I thought it was such a great way as a person that's pseudo bilingual, like I can read Spanish pretty well and and whatever, I can get by. Um, <laughs> but I really liked it because they did it in such a cool way where it wasn't just like, oh, I go to the Spanish part of this website that's it now all integrated. translated. And it was integrated in such a cool way. So if you're like looking for a cool way to like kind of make your website like integrated bilingual, that was like really cool. Yeah, um, check it and out. It, you know, it's part of that story too, is like in the wine industry, both languages. Like I feel like a lot of farming's that way and yeah. stuff is like, you speak, that's probably why I kind of speak like Spanglish, like English and Spanish, like mixed together. Right. Yes. <laughs> so there's just a lot of, yes, there's a lot of crossover. <laughs> yeah. So that was a really cool aspect. Um. Anyways, um, could I just, because we've talked about it, there's eight different wine regions. And I was just thinking we yeah. should kind of highlight 
Go for it. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I don't actually have the regions listed out, so um, I can't yeah. spew that off. So there's Do you? eight wine regions, but I think um, to be clear for some of our more nerdy listeners, that's not the number of AVAs. There's more than eight American viticulture areas. Um, I'll look look that up. But yeah, so there's, I think the way that they broke it out was um, kind of by areas that are easy to visit versus AVAs. Um, so. And one thing we were talking a little bit about before with these eight different regions that I think is really unique to Washington and the reason that as we get into the history that it, I think, really shines or a thing mm-hmm. that, that Washington's able to really show versus like Oregon and California is they have wine regions on both the west side and the east side of the state. Mm-hmm. Um that are very robust on both sides of the state. Um, So that means that they are growing all sorts of different grapes because they have the West side that if you're not from the Pacific Northwest, it's, you know, the wet, the wetter side, getting the, those coastal winds that come in. Um, And then you have the East side that's super dry. Um, You know, anything from like West side getting like 30 to a hundred inches of rain a year to East side getting less than 10 (laughs) and being a lot hotter summers. So it just is a good variety of different things that Washington's able to really produce. Yeah. So just really quickly, there's um, 20 different AVAs in the state. Um, uh, I don't want to say how many. There's a handful that are on the west side of the Cascades. I think there's three or four, maybe more. And then the rest of them are actually on the east side. So in that warmer um, climate where they've been growing grapes, maybe not not historically for longer um, because the Seattle-Tacoma area was a port, so there was probably grape growing going on there historically, uh, perhaps earlier than on the west, or sorry, the um, east side of the state. But commercially, the growing has been going on more in that warmer, drier, irrigated area, which is... Um, east of the Cascade Mountains. So, so yeah. Some of the one, the regions I can think of just popping out of my head is like Woodenville, which is north of Seattle, um, is a big area. Um, I will say actually in the Southwest, there's a number that kind of are just like adjacent to the Willamette Valley um, in Oregon, um, much smaller, but you know, you got a couple around there and then you have like Walla Walla. (laughs) It's like so far East. And then there are a lot that are in, I like to say that transition zone of the East to the West, which would be around like, you know, in the mountain range, it's the Cascades kind of just on the other side of the mountain range um, across the river from Hood River. So that's where you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a transition zone because it's like moving from west to east. It's just, you know, like you're not totally dry. Right. Anyways, so that's the ecologist in me that I look (laughs) at the plants and the plant communities. And um, 
Also, for anyone that knows AVAs well, um, they have, so there's some really large AVAs in the state. So the Columbia Valley AVA um, is pretty huge. It stretches through most of that um, central part of the state and down into Oregon as well. But then there's tiny sub-AVAs as well. So I think I I didn't read um, how small some of the sub-AVAs are, but I want to say like some are just a couple hundred acres. So pretty dang small. They might have a couple growers there, but they've been recognized as distinct in their terroir and they're growing. <clears throat> so, and I mean, just a real quick on that. I know this is, but I got to bring in my ecology nerdiness. the The state of Washington, with just its volcanic history, um, as well as like the gorge, the Columbia River Gorge, and how that all like carved out, just creates some really unique soil types um, and some really nice along the gorge too, some really nice slopes of, um, and then you also have like the Missoula floods, the historic floods that come across the Palouse of Eastern um, Washington that deposited a lot of really unique soils on top of that volcanic soil. So it just creates like the state having like, not just like, oh, this is kind of the type that we typically have, but it creates like all these different types types of soils and slopes and just eco-regions throughout the state. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, there's my nerdiness. Okay, Haley, let's get into the history to kind of like help wrap this up and like just, you know, move on to the next fun thing. Unless there's anything else you wanted. I guess we didn't talk about the partner toolkit. I'll just quickly say before we move to the history that um, similar to, I think, the Oregon one, there's if you uh, have a winery or... um, something like that, that there's a really cool partner toolkit on there that you can download stuff for social media as well as like print materials like bottleneckers. I learned what those are, little (laughs) tags that go around your bottles um, and all of that kind of stuff. So check that out if you're in the industry and and just like wanting to see, or even if you're not in the Washington industry, but you want to see some cool examples of what they're doing. That's a a great way to, to check that out. So completely and you know the best way to get information out there and being used is to offer a free toolkit like that like if you're in an industry where you're you're thinking I really want more people to understand why xyz crop is so important in our area and then you give all your farmers growers producers um people that are selling a byproduct or a uh um I shouldn't say use the word byproduct a something that's been made out of that crop then a free toolkit is great. I would also say that um, something that I really appreciated that the Idaho wine industry uh, has done in the past for Idaho Wine Month is give you a suggested social media schedule. Because if you do social media, you know, sometimes you're just like, Ugh, I just I have to make more content and I don't have the bandwidth to just keep coming up with more ideas. So if you give someone like, hey, it would be great if on the Tuesday, each Tuesday of the month, you guys posted something about this. And each Wednesday you did history and each Saturday you did a whatever. Um, That's gold to who, like, especially if you're not social media marketing, isn't something that you love to do. (laughs) Yeah. So, hey, Washington. Take that one. (laughs) I think they've done it. I think they have done it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I just saw like little example posts and things that you can like put for your social media. Anyways, 
Um, really quick, let's do a quick like highlight of some of the the history of of Washington and kind of yeah. you know why they're who they are and why they're important on the wine scene overall. Definitely. Um, so I will start with just a not not the wine history, but just a like a little bit broader of history. I'm sure somebody's gonna tell us that I'm wrong, which is totally fine. I'm happy to be pointed out as being wrong. Um, in my very vague understanding of history of the Western United States, California was um, a Spanish colony for a long time. So they had a lot more of a Catholic influence, which means they were planting grapes pretty early to make wine for their um, Eucharist. And in the Northwest, there was some a little bit of, of that um, in Oregon. But in Washington, we had a lot more um, settlement by um, like Walt, uh, uh, not Walt Whitman, <laughs> the Whitman family. Um, and so Protestants. they were Protestants <laughs> and not so yeah. much into the wine. So I think that the plantings were a little bit later in Washington. 1825 is still relatively early for settlements in the Northwest, but that's when we have the first known plantings of grapevines in Washington state was around 1825. And then in 1859 were the first known plantings in the Walla Walla Valley. So it took quite a while for it to get probably from that port city area of like the, where there was a lot of traffic coming in and out in the Seattle Tacoma area all the way over to Walla Walla. And then um, of course, Things were going relatively well. They're planting grapes, making wine out of those grape wine, um, grape vines. And then Prohibition hit in the 1920s <laughs> and things kind of slowed down. But the interesting thing that I read about Prohibition was after it was repealed, there were still like 40, 42 wineries or something. But then by the mid 40s, so like less than 10 years later, there were only 24 wineries. So I don't know if they were conglomerating and becoming bigger or what was going on. But um, but yeah, pretty significant drop from post-prohibition to, to um, the war in less than 10 years. Can I make a, a really interesting point about yeah. the whole Walla Walla thing that I hadn't thought about is, you know, that's all along the Columbia River, which is kind of a big trade route. So it's yeah. kind of interesting, too, like if you kind of look at it of like they're also getting back to like when I think about like European history and like other history of like vines and how they moved around yes yes, with the catholic influence hadn't thought of that great point but also like following trade routes and so with the columbia river there it does make sense that that's kind of one of the first ones before branching up um into kind of the rest of the state because of those trade routes along the columbia so that's kind Mm -hmm. of interesting Cool. Thanks for pointing that out. And at that time, I know that there were people coming upriver, but it was much more popular to have like barges or bar, they weren't called barges, they were called scows, but they were coming downriver because the Columbia was not dammed. So there were still some exciting rapids along there and falls and different yeah. things. So, um, Salilo Falls, if yeah. you want a fun history lesson of yeah (laughs) yeah very important for our uh, Native American populations Mm -hmm. and salmon yes Um, 
So yeah, I think the thing that about the Washington State wine history that I found um, most exciting and heartening were uh, that a lot of the recognition and real push towards becoming the wine region that we kind of know it as today didn't really start happening until the 1970s and 80s. So I thought, okay, well, within my lifetime, the Idaho wine industry could really boom. <laughs> like they could just, it's, it's, it's growing, but it could really take this leap that like the Washington wine industry took back in the 70s and 80s with plantings and making great wine. And then in the, two, like in 2000, the wine, Washington Wine Commission, sorry, the Washington State Wine Commission calls it the big bang of the Washington wine industry because they all of a sudden went from like a hundred bonded wineries in the state to a couple, like they were just adding every month they're adding wineries still. And now they're over a thousand wineries strong. Yeah. It's interesting to me to see the similarity, you know, as we're rounding out all the Pacific Northwest wine months. um, It's interesting to me to see the similarities in these timelines. Um, You know, for our July 4th, we talked about um, episode, we talked about the judgment of Paris and like how that really exploded the Oregon wine scene, which then, you know, we Sorry, thank you. <laughs> California okay. wine industry. I was my head, my brain was jumping ahead because I was thinking how that then like helped. Yeah, you know, we talked about it. Like that, that was helped probably bring all these other people on the scene, which then you start seeing with these timelines. Right. Like, oh yeah, Washington, Oregon, Idaho are starting to also mm-hmm. come onto the scene. So um, it's just interesting to me to see like those similar high points of prohibition, similar time pro, uh, like the 1800s with people coming over on the Oregon trail, um, you know, and bringing over certain vines probably and the, and settling. Um, and though (laughs) that's a whole thing. Um, and then like, you know, the, the 70s with the judgment of Paris, and then also seeing all three States kind of start seeing an explosion. And then the early 2000s, like what happened then? Because all the states, it was kind of like the 70s, 80s lull. And then early 2000s, I feel like all the different states had this all of a sudden boom. So I just, it's interesting to see the similarities of all the states. Right. I think that California wine industry, yeah, was probably um, making really good wine for 10 to 20 years before the judgment of Paris. And that's what got it put on the map. So they were making wine before that, but that was, that was one of the reasons that the judgment of Paris was scheduled. And then um, it was in the seventies that people like the Figgins family in Washington started planting and they're the owners of Leonetti. So they're, 1978 vintage, which I think was one of their inaugural vintages from their the vineyard that they planted in 1982 or 84. It uh, was written about in one of the national publications and really put Washington, people started paying attention like, oh, if this little Washington winery beat out all of these Californian wineries, maybe we should be paying attention to the Washington industry as a whole. I do want to, there's one other thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap up, and that is Walter Clore, J. Walter Clore, who was a professor uh, uh, of horticulture 
at what we now know as the Prosser Extension for Washington State University. So that's an ag extension at the time that he started, which was in 1937. I didn't realize he started that early. Um, I thought he, he started doing research in the 50s, but he came on, on as a, an assistant professor of horticulture at that Prosser Extension when it was mostly an irrigation um, uh, study, or they studied a lot of about irrigation. And um, I think I read it wasn't until the 1960s that he really started doing intense research on grapevines at that uh, extension office. But I think he was already doing some research. And then in by 1974, so between 1937, maybe he started planting, not just doing um, research um, in the 60s. By 1974, he had planted over 312 varietals at that extension center and was doing research on them. There's now a building um, that's named after him on the, uh, that was, so I think it was in, I read this, 2013 maybe, um, or no, sorry, 2003, the state school system in Washington invested a really big endowment into a two and four year degree programs that focused on viticulture and enology. And and J. Walter Clore was basically the reason that they could do that because he already had so much research. They have so much um, already in their history about viticulture um, and now enology because they have the viticulture there that he started. So he's known as the father of the Washington wine industry and for good reason. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that like... Um, even as a person that's not in the industry, but I know that like WSU um, and their extension programs have really, and like the Walla Walla Community College yeah. too, um, just shout that one out. But there's some totally. really good um, viniculture and enology programs at those schools. And mm-hmm. so that's really cool to like know that, yeah, his research way back in the, starting in the 30s. Yes. Um, I think most people that are, invested in the Washington wine industry. So maybe not somebody that's brand new to it, but most people that have been there for any length of time or really feel passionately about it are, if you ask them, so do you know about this guy, Walter Clore? They're going to be able to tell you way more than I just did because that's how important he was to the entire history of the region and yeah, viticulture in the region. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else that we need to talk about with Washington wine industry? I don't think so. I think, I mean, there's a there's probably a lot more that we could have oh, talked about, but um, I will say, yeah, no, it's really interesting. And I think maybe in future episodes, if people are interested, we could do some different shout outs to some of the different regions there or talk yes. about a little bit more about differences between S- the West Side you know, AVAs and the east side and just yes. kind of some of the the more grape varietals of the state would be kind of fun. Um, or we could even explore some of those topics of just kind of the learning environments in, in some of these different states. Um, yeah. The other thing that might be fun topic. to talk about is the, the step-sibling of uh, the Pacific Northwest states, which would be British Columbia and the wine, the really cool wine scene that they have up there. So maybe we'll add that to the list of things to talk about. But That's so funny. I thought you were going to say Idaho. (laughs) (laughs) Or Idaho. (laughs) The inland Northwest. (laughs) 
But I want to say thanks to everybody for listening this week. And um, yeah, if there's more that we need to know about Washington wine industry or the Washington wine months, let us know. We hope you're celebrating um, Washington wine and and Wagast by tasting through some of the Washington wines that you love and maybe even visiting different Washington wineries or trying some new wines from different wineries in the regions. Uh, If there are different regions you'd like us to talk about or certain wine topics you would like us to discuss, you can always drop us a line at wholeclusterconversation at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer. Audio production provided by our friend Ukiah Bogle. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen. Ciao.